righteousness, for there shall, there they shall be satisfied. As I said, the order, you have to be poor in spirit. You have to mourn over your sins. You have to be meek to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And you must hunger and thirst for righteousness and get rid of the junk in your life. You need to empty yourself out of all the trash. Because you can't be filled because you can't be filled because you're not empty. You have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. There has to be a, a desperation in you. I want my life to mark positive for this world. That's what you should be saying to yourself. If you've lost your appetite for righteousness, then you out there must repent and return to God. And a lot of believers have, have done that. They slipped away. Sure, this world is rough, but we're going to get through it, all of us together. And you know what? There's a reward waiting for those. If you lost your appetite for righteousness, then you must repent and return and forsake your sins and take your proper place. Pride must go first. Pride. You know why Satan fell? It wasn't Satan. He was Lucifer then. He fell because he was proud. I can exalt my throne above God's. Pride made him do that. The worst of all sins. Parable number 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Once you get rid of all the trash in your life, you become, again, poor in spirit, mourning over your sin, because Jesus was crucified to pay the debt for it? The righteous one? You have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know why? Because he made him who knew no sin to become sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's why. God loved you so much that he sent his son. If you be merciful to others, you will receive God's mercy. What you sow is what you reap. You ever hear that? You know, that's it. You know, you're merciful, you will receive mercy. If you're full of hate, guess what you're going to get? Hate back. I tell everybody when they get into a feud between one another, no, no, you don't fight with fire. You have a fire here, you have a fire here, and they're clashing together and get a hotter fire. So what do you do? You install, you, if there's a hot fire here, you throw water on it, right? Or get the fire extinguisher to put it out. What did Jesus say? He said, you know, be, be good to those that hate you. It's like pouring coals, of, coals on their head. They'll go, what's going on here? I don't believe it. He's not fighting back at me. It's because you're meek. You're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You realize that that particular person, or maybe both of you, need God's grace and God's mercy. You'll be merciful to people and receive God's mercy. You'll no longer be judgmental. You'll no longer be critical. You'll no longer be analytical towards others. You've got to get rid of that. Judgmental, being judgmental and critical and analytical towards people. Just a rule of thought. The more sinful a man is, the more harsh and critical he will become. 
Parable number seven, verse eight. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's a difference between a clean heart and a pure heart. All of us have received the Lord and have a clean heart. If you've accepted Jesus, your heart has been made clean. But is it pure? You ever hear the ivory soap commercial? Ivory soap is 99.44, pure. That's because it's absence of fragrances, um, perfumes. But other soaps are clean, aren't they? They have perfumes in them. But they're not pure. There's a difference. You have to get rid of all that junk. Even, even in Jesus, Jesus, um, Peter, you remember Peter. Jesus was going to wash his feet. And he said, no, 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 I need to wash your feet. And Jesus said, he who has bathed only needs to wash his feet and is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, referring to Judas. See, Peter and us are clean because we have bathed ourselves in the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we're only pure if the world, the flesh, the devil, and pride have not entered us in any way, shape, or form. We're clean. You're going to heaven. You've received Jesus as your Savior. That's nice. But we aren't going to change the world being nice. We've got to change the world being pure. And they look at you and say, what's different about you? How come, how come you're different and I'm not? Then you could tell them that you've received Jesus as your Savior. And yeah, you're clean. But you've got to work on purity. All of us do. Parable 7, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know who the greatest peacemakers on the face of the earth are? It's those who know the Prince of Peace. And that's you. And that's me. If you know him, you're the greatest peacemakers on earth because you have the message of peace. And if you have the Prince of Peace... You have the peace of God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles out. You know it. You know the verse. Chapter 9, verses 6. You've heard it. As soon as I start reading it, you'll, you'll remember. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to his increase of his government or, his, or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Jesus is a Prince of Peace. He was even named at Thousands of years before, now about 750 years before, he was going to be called the Prince of Peace. 
a child. If you look at that verse in, in your, usually the King James Version, you'll see the child is capitalized. You'll see that mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace is all, you know, capitalized, telling you that this child is God in human flesh. We know that if you pick up the sword according to Scripture, you'll perish by the sword. Those who pick up the sword will perish by the sword. You've got to be careful. That's Matthew 26, 52. What greater peace can one have than to have the Prince of Peace in your heart? What greater peace can you have? You're going to have peace of mind. You're going to heaven. But there's a whole world full of people out here that aren't going to heaven. We need to take that peace to all the world. Then we will become peacemakers because Christ is the greatest peacemaker there was. He made peace for us. Here's Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Prince of Peace. You remember I told you once before, when a, when a king is riding in conquest, he's riding a white stallion with a sword in his hand. But Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a what? A donkey? Prince of Peace? If a king can ride through his city on a donkey, there's peace. If he's riding a white stallion, beware. Beware, there's war. Jesus came in peace. To bring peace to all men. You remember when he was, when the angels cried out, peace to men. He has made peace through his blood between a righteous God and us unrighteous sinners. He made peace with us. Praise the Lord. Parable number 8, verses 10 through 11. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what Jesus is saying? If you are living by the Beatitudes, you will not be popular in this world. You just won't. Because these are all things that go against man. Man doesn't like to be humble. They don't like to be poor in spirit. They don't like to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Persecution awaits those that know Christ as their Savior. It awaits all of us who are poor in spirit, mourning, humble, meek, hungering, thirstful, righteousness, and are merciful and are peacemakers. The world doesn't like that. You're going to be unpopular in this world. Yeah, well, let's go to verse 11. Blessed are you who have been persecuted for righteousness' sakes. You are not weird, church. People over the air, I know. You're not the weird. The world is weird. You're on the path. They're headed off in the wrong direction. You are obeying God, and they're not conforming, and, and, and you're not conforming to this world, but they are. Remember when I told you, if the world's going this way, you turn around and go the other way. Because that's usually the way God goes. 
And if you're walking through life and don't bump into the devil, chances are you're walking in the same direction he is. If you walk with God, you will be bumping into devils, but you have authority over devils. Jesus gave you authority. I could wrap five, six verses off the top of my head. He gave you authority. There's no weapon the devil can form against you will prosper. It actually says accuser, and that's really what you could translate the, the word devil for in the Bible, accuser. He's the one that accuses you of sin. And Jesus stands as your counselor and says, oh, no, he's accepted me as my Savior. He's accepted my blood, Father. He's been judged righteous. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You're not where the world's were. We are. You're obeying God. They're obeying and conforming to this world. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. You are an alien and stranger in this world. Remember I told you, it's like taking you right now, you, you got born again. It's like throwing you in an ocean with a, a big rock around your, uh, around your ankle to sink you down. You will die in that world unless you receive the air from the Holy Spirit. And we were called out of this world, and we need to receive the oxygen from the Holy Spirit. There's even songs written about it. You are the air that I breathe. God's equipped you to have a, have a uh, wetsuit that will protect you from, who knows, jellyfish and sharks. And no shark can bite into it because his teeth have been taken out of Calvary. He gives you flippers so you can move fast in the water and goggles that protects your mind and, and so that you can see clearly in this world, this foreign world. So when you became a Christian, you got born again. Now you could see the world more clearly, couldn't you? I remember, I remember when I was, I was being called by God into the kingdom. I'm going back 50, 40-some years. I was standing, and I had a dream. No, no, I'm, I wasn't in the dream. I was standing in the back with my father. My, my, one of my children were just dedicated to the Lord. I'm standing in the yard with my, my dad talking, and on the back porch, I'm trying to lead my dad to the Lord, even though I didn't know the Lord yet, but I knew of him. I'm standing there talking to my dad about Jesus, and we're standing about 10 feet, 8 feet, 10 feet from the porch, and one by one, people came out and said, I'm ashamed of you. I said, why? Because you're preaching about Jesus. You're, you're a Jesus freak. Then came out another person and another person and another person. Before you know it, they were all saying the same thing. They're ashamed of me. And you know what God showed me? That that was the enemy speaking through them to keep me from coming to Christ. And meanwhile, I'm keeping myself from coming to Christ because I wanted my dad to do the honors first. But God said, no, I call on you first. And a few days later, a few weeks later, I accepted the Lord. That was it. Because he gave me a dream about that particular thing. That was 44, over 44 years ago. And I was persecuted for righteousness sake just because I wouldn't even know Jesus. I was just speaking up for him. And they were persecuting me. You're an alien and stranger in this world. You've been called out of this world. You're an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven in this world, says uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 20, I think it is, or 19. You're an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ because you are called into the kingdom of heaven now. You no longer belong to this world. You're an ambassador, a high-ranking politician, official, 
in a foreign land representing the kingdom of heaven. And that's what the Beatitudes do. If you, if you follow the Beatitudes, you will be different than this world. You would be proclaiming your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, in a fallen world. Parable number 9, verse 11. Blessed are you when men cast insults against you and persecute you and say to you all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Turn to Luke, if you have your Bibles. Luke 22. No, Luke 6, verse 22. You know, I went to my pastor when I was a young believer, and I said, this is tough. And I told him all the things that were happening because I got called as a Christian out of two families that weren't Christian at all. I had no idea what a Christian was until I brought a Bible to work one day and I ran into some Christians who saw me reading it. So I was called out of, of uh, I didn't know anything about it. So I went to my pastor and I says, what is this, all this persecution I'm getting and he turned to Luke chapter 6 verse 22 and 23 and he said blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and cast your insults upon you and spurn your name as evil for my namesake be glad in that day leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for in the same way they their fathers used to be used to treat the prophets it hasn't changed. Anyone that believes in God is going to be persecuted, especially Jesus. And God's a relative term. You identify, God is identified in his son, Jesus Christ, because he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature, and Jesus, and God, he upholds all his power. power. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. So if you say, God bless you, people are going to say, oh, that's nice, thank you. But say, God bless you in Jesus' name and say the reaction. Because you just identified who, who God is. You just identified it. And they'll say, oh, that's a Jesus freak. Something like that. And if they're a believer, they're going to say, wow. And then you probably want a new friend or a new sister or brother. Those who suffer in this world for the kingdom of God or for Jesus' sake will be rewarded. And I'll tell you what. God's rewards are a whole lot better than this world could ever give you. So they prosecuted the prophets, Jesus said. If they persecuted them, guess what? They're going to persecute you. They sought Isaiah in half while he was alive. King Manasseh, after about 50 years of reigning as king, he finally had enough of Isaiah. He had him captured. He sought him in two while he was still alive. And about a year later, Manasseh got saved. And try to undo everything that he did that was evil in the place. God finally got a hold of him. He persecuted. Isaiah was sawn in two. You know the apostles, they all were martyred except for John. But he was thrown in a pot of boiling oil and didn't die. He was like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. They didn't kill him. So they just abandoned him to Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. What will we do with our revelation today? God had a purpose for him. They persecuted Stephen. You know, he died by the sword. Herod had him killed. James, him too. Peter, 
John, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you name it, take all the prophets, and they were all persecuted for righteousness' sake. Hebrews 11, I love this chapter. Verse 38. I'm going to go back a little, maybe maybe a little bit. 37, let's go back to 37. This is talking about believers, those that had faith. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy. If you're a believer, this world is not worthy of you. Wandering in deserts and in mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground, and all these having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. You're lucky. I'm lucky. We live in America. We can see persecution coming. You know, like more than persecution, we can see a big change coming to this world if, we're, if certain things aren't done. But if our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world, read Fox's Books of Martyrs once sometime. I couldn't even get through it. They run over people with, you're a believer, they run over you with a steamroller, chop off your head, shoot you. That's what our brothers and sisters are doing. There's magazines in the back room in the kitchen there that's called The Voice of the Martyrs. Read it sometimes. There's a lot of little short articles from persecuted Christians. The world's not worthy of you, Christian. The world is not worthy of you. Here's what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. And indeed, Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You, as a Christian, if you're speaking the name of Jesus and living for Jesus, you will be persecuted. But jump and leap for joy, says Luke, says Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Jump and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. But if the salt, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. According to the Beatitudes here, your saltiness lies in well, what I said many times, poor in spirit, being meek, being uh, mourning, you know, being humble, being spiritually hungry, being merciful, being clean and pure, being a peacemaker, and being willing to suffer for righteousness' sakes. This is your salt, church. And it's attractive to those who are hungry. It is attractive to some people. Some people will say to you, you're different than me. I, I, what's about, what is it about you? And you could tell them. Probably a lot of you Christians out there, you probably heard people say that to you. What's different about you? When they ask you that, you know exactly what it is, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Salt, for example, is a healer. Did you know that? Back in the olden days, they just poured salt on a wound. 
salt is an antiseptic then. It heals. It kills bacteria. It cleans wounds. It's also a preserver. It preserves, serves things. Salted fish and all that stuff. Sometimes I go to those markets like the Italian market and they have buccalata there and it's, it's like hard as a rock covered with salt. It's okay to eat. It's a preserver. It's an enhancer. It brings flavor. See, we Christians, living by God's standards, flavor this world. We do. We flavor this world. You know, in Thessalonians, it talks about the, the, in the what can I say, the restrainer will be taken out of the world. We're talking about the rapture here. The restrainer. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the world, since the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, God's not taking the Holy Spirit out of your heart. He's taking you to the kingdom of heaven. That's the rapture. You can also find that in, in 2 Thessalonians 4.16. No, 1 Thessalonians 4.16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up and meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. You, we enhance this world, church, and once we're out of this world, the restrainer is taken out. All hell is going to break loose on this earth, and that's called the Great Tribulation. So salt promotes thirst also. If you're living by God's standard, you, other people around you will be thirsty for you. You can't make a horse drink, but you can make them awful thirsty by living a salty life before them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ask yourself, are you an antiseptic? Are you a healer in this world? Just with words of encouragement even, not just laying hands on the sick and them recovering. Are you a preserver? Do you help people find Jesus who saves them? That preserves their life forever. Are you an enhancer? Do you bring flavor to this world? Does your life promote thirst for Jesus to some other people? Here's what a quote from Chuck Smith, if you remember him. He's the, um, he's the founder of the Calvary Chapel. The church should be a powerful influence in our community. If not, it's good for nothing. The church should be a powerful influence in our community. If not, it's good for nothing. We should be a powerful influence in this world, church. I don't know. I see, I see the church going into, into a different direction. Somebody sent me this this week. Over the phone. We need preachers who will preach that hell is still hot, that heaven is still real, that sin is still wrong, that the Bible is God's word, and that Jesus is the only way to salvation. That's Freedom Church. If you've lost your saltiness, ask yourself. If you lost your saltiness, you've lost your effectiveness. Because if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Then Jesus goes on, we're almost done. You are the light of the world, verse 14. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does a man light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know what Jesus is saying? We know that he said, I am the light of the world. So he is the light. It's like he's the sun and we're the moon because the moon reflects the light of the sun. And we reflect the light of Jesus because he is the light of the world. Light drives out darkness every time you turn on a light, it drives darkness out. I told you about the Norwegian scientists that did the Warfrat uh, experiment. They took, the, they took a, a, a Warfrat, put them in a tub of water, big tub of water with nothing in it, put them in a dark room, turned out all the lights, there's pitch darkness, and they wanted to see how long this Warfrat would take to drown. It took him something like 12, 12 minutes or something like that, 13 minutes. They did the same experience with another wharf rat, put him in a tub, filled it with water, put him in a dark room, and put one beam of light in that room. And that rat, that wharf rat, went for over three days without drowning. You know why? Hope, a light, a light in that room allowed that animal to live longer light drives out darkness and we carry the message of 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 light to all the world that christ came according to the scriptures that he died and he was buried and he is risen the third day according to the scriptures light reflect not only does light drive out darkness light reflects the brighter light jesus as i said the sun shines but the moon reflects the light a lot of times I go outside, I see, I look at the stars, and some of them aren't twinkling because they're reflecting the light of the sun. That means it's a planet. But if it's a, 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 a star, it's twinkling because it's reflecting. And each one of us as Christians are supposed to reflect the light of Jesus, who is the light of the world. Lights are not meant to be hidden. In other words, stand up for Jesus. Be brave, be strong, be proud. Listen, your father is the creator. I love my father, and I was proud of my father, but I'll tell you what, my daddy, the creator, and Jesus Christ, his son, has saved me. Wow. Light is, meant, is not meant to be hidden. You can't hide the light of Christ, church. Light is a tool that brings glory to God. Christ in us should cause our lives to reflect his light, that they might see your good works, Jesus said, and glorify your Father in heaven. But Jesus didn't say here that you're saved by works. He said, do these things, and it will reflect light to me, that they might see your good works. They know you're a believer, and they're gonna, the glory's going to go to God. The light's going to shine on you, who represents the, the uh, bright light, the, the light of the world, Jesus. James says it this way, If you have faith and I have works, you show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith in God and Christ by my works. 
We've got to remember that, church. The kingdom here, as you can see, is not talking about your outward appearance. All these messages from the Beatitudes are talking about the attitude of your heart. And that's how you're saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart, you're saved. It's all about heart. I just want you to know this. Whether you be a Jew or a Christian, here's Paul talking in 2 Corinthians. We're going to end it here. But to this day, whenever Moses is preached, whenever the Bible is preached, a veil lies over people's hearts. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior out there or in here, then there's a veil over your eyes. If you just believe in Jesus, he'll take that veil away and open up the world to you that you can see a world within the world. And you'll be drawn to Christ if you receive him as your Savior. And you have to ask for forgiveness and be humble. So if any of you need Christ today, come on up to the altar, any of you online, just if you know, don't know Christ as your Savior, just repeat after me real quickly with your heart, not with your head. It doesn't matter how fast you say it. It matters whether you say it with your head or with your heart. With your heart. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he came to bring salt and light into this world. I want to be like Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me the man or the woman that you want me to be and use me for your glory and forgive my sin as I turn away and repent of it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. Come on back next week for those online also.